Hey, so before you go, I want to let you know that on Thursday, March 21st at 7 p.m. Eastern, I'm hosting an open house for anyone interested in learning more about exactly how we help our clients sell five-figure web design projects and create consistent revenue. You can register for the open house at webdesigneracademy.com forward slash open house. It's going to be super low key and I'll be breaking down what's really in the way of you selling five-figure web design projects, creating consistent revenue, or just reaching that next level of your web design business. I'll talk about how to know if your web design business is ready for a hands-on business coaching program like the Web Designer Academy or our Next Level Mastermind. I'll walk you through both of our Web Designer Academy and Next Level programs, who they're for, and explain exactly what you'll do during our time working together. I'll share the financial investment, the time investment, and what's included when you work with us. I'll tell you how to apply and give you all of the important dates around the application and our current open enrollment period and all of the bonuses around that. And then we'll have a plenty of time for my favorite part, Q&A. So just go to webdesigneracademy.com forward slash open house to save your spot today. There will be a replay sent out to anyone who registers if you can't make it live. So that's webdesigneracademy.com forward slash open house. And I'll see you there. Bye. Welcome to The Profitable Web Designer, a podcast for web designers who want to work less and make more money. I'm your host, Shannon Mattern, founder of The Web Designer Academy, where we've helped hundreds of web designers stop undercharging, overworking, and create profitable, sustainable web design businesses. Hey, so really quick, I have something I am so excited to share with you. We have launched a premium edition of the Profitable Web Designer Podcast. I have an archive of over 180 transformational web design business coaching call recordings full of gold that until now have only been available in a private podcast feed to Web Designer Academy students. But now we're giving you, our valued Profitable Web Designer Podcast listeners, the opportunity to upgrade to Profitable Web Designer Premium and get a drop of the first 10 coaching call replays in the archive as soon as you sign up and then two new episodes every single week thereafter overflowing with mindset and strategy on topics like pricing, marketing, getting clients, managing difficult clients, and so much more. And when you subscribe, you will lock in our special Profitable Web Designer premium founding member price of just $10 a month. And you can cancel anytime. Yes, you heard that right. Just $10 a month for as long as you're a subscriber and you can cancel anytime. And what you hear in Profitable Web Designer Premium could completely transform your web design business forever. So go to webdesigneracademy.com forward slash premium to subscribe now and you will get a drop of the first 10 episodes immediately as soon as you subscribe. This exclusive founding member offer goes away soon. So head over to webdesigneracademy.com forward slash premium to subscribe now. That's webdesigneracademy.com forward slash premium. Okay, back to the show. Hey there, welcome back to The Profitable Web Designer. And this week I have a really special episode for you. I recently had the pleasure again of getting to be on the Josh Hall Web Design Business Show 
to talk to Josh about my business, what I'm experiencing, some challenges that I'm going through right now. And Josh is so kind and generous that he gave me the replay of our podcast episode to share with you guys on The Profitable Web Designer. So let's go ahead and dive into my conversation with Josh Hall, all about overcoming business obstacles and challenges on your business journey. Her usual, we're ready to rock. Well, Shannon, again, welcome back to the show. I feel like it wasn't that long ago, but I feel like it's been too long already. I know. I agree. It's really good to be back and to get to talk to you. And we really don't have like an exact topic on this one. You and I were about due for just a a catch up in business in general. And I think both of us were like, why don't we just talk for a while and record it and see what happens. And um, something that I think you've been through more recently with a lot of changes in your business and that I've gone through more recently and in my past and that everyone goes through as a business owner are tough times and how to like navigate through those tough times, whether it's being dry, like in in a dry period of clients, whether it's technical issues, whether you go through personal stuff. So yeah, I think uh, that might be the moral of the story today. That sounds good. Yeah, I am. I love... It sounds weird. I love talking about that stuff. But I really do. Because, you know, it happens to everyone. And if we act like it doesn't, I feel like we're doing people a disservice to think that like, it should always just be easy. Yeah. And I think everyone, including myself, I think we all know that on social media, what you're primarily seeing is the filter and the good things. Aside from that, like one family member that always posts something negative on Facebook, like you're, you're generally getting the, the successes and stuff like that. But at the same time, we all know for every success, there was like 10 failures that led up to it or like 10 really hard lessons learned to get to it. So I do think it's a good timely thing because I've heard more and more from students recently and just from other people in, in web design who are struggling with whether maybe it is a dry period in clients or maybe it's industry changes or maybe it's with just a flooded market of web designers, there's more competition. So I do feel like there are some maybe new challenges that are at the forefront right now. I don't know if you've seen that with your students, but that's certainly something I've seen. Like I've seen a lot more folks being a little discouraged. And I thought maybe, yeah, we could let's dive in and see how we can help somebody today. Yeah, totally. I mean, I have heard from our students that it's taking more work for them to get clients. Like what used to be easy. And what used to be like, oh, I didn't have to do anything. Referrals just came to me. Or I only had to have like a couple consultations and I every one of them booked at 100%. What I'm hearing now from some people, not all, some people are still having the same consistency that they're used to is that it's taking more conversations than it used to to get a yes And that it's like, oh, referrals just aren't coming my way. That feels unsettling to me. What is happening? Things are drying up when it's like, okay, now it's time to learn the skill of being proactive. Mm. And I feel like this is something that like, it's inevitable that it is going to happen at some point in your business journey that the what was working 
is going to change and that you have to adapt to that change and not make that change mean something bigger than what it is. Mm, good point. Yeah, because sometimes it's outside of our control potentially, but I feel like actually most of the time it's in our control. It's just one of those things where, like you just said there, the big term is being proactive instead of reactive. Because referrals are great, but referrals are like rain. It's going to rain at some point, but it's you never know. Exactly. So it's like you do have to get to a point, I think, in everyone's journey where when it comes to referral-based stuff, you've got to be proactive. And, and honestly, some of it just comes down to asking for referrals. Because I, I've seen the same thing with a lot of my students. Some are still status quo, like all is good. Some is the same. And then some students are thriving right now. And one thing that I have seen, as I look at some of my students who are a little more established, who may be five, 10 years in, and they're, they're still thriving, what they are doing is innovating. And they are, they've really worked at more retention style stuff with, with current clients. So I think the challenges may be different from somebody who's established and has a pool of clients versus somebody who's starting. And maybe, I don't know if you've seen that, but maybe the folks who are more early on in the journey, it is taking more conversations. It is taking a little more thoughtful marketing and sales techniques when it comes to like results-based kind of stuff. But that's kind of what I've noticed as far as some of my students that versus you know some of them who are struggling right now or maybe in a dry period versus some who are still thriving. Yeah, I mean, same. And it's different for everybody what their unique challenge is. And if I sit and think back to like 2016, when we started the Web Designer Academy all the way through now, like there have always been these conversations. And I am curious for myself as to why I personally feel more sensitive to them recently than maybe I have in the past. And I'm so curious to know what you think about this, Josh. And I don't know if this is just like my own personality quirk, but like I have a tendency to hear when my students are struggling, like that I have to like jump in there and just fix it for them. Mm, And that's something that I have to really resist a lot of the times because it's like, it's disempowering. Like, You want to teach someone how to develop the skill to navigate it themselves. You want to teach someone the skill to like look at like what might I be thinking or doing to hold myself back in certain ways. Like how can I navigate this? How can I push through this? And when I do, I will feel so resilient on the other side. And I have to like check myself to not put so much of that on my shoulders as the coach and the teacher. And I'm just super curious how you navigate that. I love that you asked that, Shannon, because I, I just told you before we went live, I recorded with somebody on your team, uh, Erica, that, who is your client success. Uh, she's in your coordinator, success role. Yeah. Coordinator, yeah. Thank you. I was really having a hard time with that one. And uh, we said the same thing. It was like, you can't let your students' failures and you can't let their successes ride on your shoulders. Like you can give yes. them the skills and the tactics and the strategies, but at the end of the day, they have to go out and get a client. Like I'm not calling somebody on their behalf. So yeah, as a coach, that is really tricky because I, I try not to take business personally, but inevitably we do. And the same thing is true for web designers who make a design and your client doesn't like it. It's like heartbreaking and super infuriating. 
But the reality is, in that case, like I have learned to try to give them maybe strategies or insights they haven't thought of or just spark some confidence and maybe even just some momentum and uh, just some energy because what you can't like you can teach strategy but what you can't teach as much is well I don't know maybe you'll disagree with this or agree I don't know but I don't know if you can teach skill as much I feel like skill and strategy is different so I can give people all the strategies in the world for getting clients but the skill comes into play for that person in this case that web designer to actually employ them and do like what works for them because what I do and what you do, Shannon, and what we did to grow our web design businesses may not work for everybody. And that's based off personality, energy management, time management, schedule. Like, So that's kind of how, as a short answer to that, that's how I deal with that is like, I will give you as much as I can in the way of insight and strategy. And maybe hopefully some of these things help you build that skill for navigating tough times. And I mean, we're really talking about problem solving. So maybe it's that. Maybe it's figuring, helping people figure out the skill of like problem solving. Like, and maybe that's stepping back and looking at, well, what's really not working here? I don't know if you've seen that, but that's kind of my take on that. I love what you just said about like the difference between strategy and skill. I've never thought about it like that before, where strategy is like, here's how to do it. Here are the steps. And skill is like, what you develop as a result of implementing those steps and learning learning from those steps and gathering data of like, okay, what worked, what didn't work? What are my theories about why that didn't work? Like, where might I have gaps that I need to develop some more skill? What am I making this outcome mean that may or may not be true? Am I like applying this situation and broadly generalizing about everybody or myself, which is what we see a lot when people are like, nobody's hiring web designers right now or whatever. And it's like, you might have gotten two or three no's in a row, but you can't make a broad generalization like that because someone over here just booked two new clients. And so how can you notice how you might be getting in your own way when you do feel discouraged and get really like analytical about it and like look at the skill. I just love how you differentiated that because yeah, like we can give you every strategy we've ever thought of ever and you're going to bring your background, your personality, your niche, your thoughts, all of it to your interpretation and implementation and you're going to do it differently than everybody else. And it might go one way, it might go another, and then you get to tweak based on you until you get it to work. <laughs> like that's the whole thing. It's yeah. like you have to keep going until you create the outcome. And it's usually just one win that will put yeah. things on the right trajectory. And, and it's very common. Like heads up for everyone in business, you're going to get a lot of like no's in a row. There'll be seasons of that. But then you'll have seasons where you'll get like 10 yeses in a row and then you'll feel unstoppable. But one thing that I, I think will help with the skill portion of this, as far as like building a, a business muscle, for lack of a better term, is to expect there to be downtimes. So I say that to say it shouldn't come as a surprise if you're in a period where you're pretty low on clients. Like I had plenty of those. Now, I was never to the point where I had zero clients, but I did get to the point where I was like, oh man. I haven't done like any promotion or any outreach at all. Like I've got 
couple projects. And once these are done, hopefully I get some more. And then inevitably through my networking group and other stuff I was doing, I would have more come on board. And it seemed like the referral train always came at good times to balance things out. But I say that to say, expect those times. Like, Don't be surprised. And I think if people have bad expectations and they think business is just always going to be up and to the right, or up and to the right if you're watching on YouTube, you're going to get to those points where that may completely derail you because you just one season of bad business, then you can be like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And if you're not used to that or prepared for that, I think that's a, a skill that we all need to to have. And, and you've probably learned that, Shannon, I have too, where I have really good months in this business and I have really bad months. And I've learned to be okay with that. That skill is like a muscle. I guess that's kind of what I, the way I interpret that as. Yeah, I think... I've definitely gone through those seasons where everything's just working amazing and but that doesn't last for forever and I've also made the mistake of like overcorrecting when there are downtimes. Right. Where like you make that downtime mean something that it doesn't really mean and then you go changing a bunch of things that don't need change and you like perpetuate it. Like I absolutely do those things. I'm human. I sometimes like let those old feelings of when I was just starting in business and feeling like scarcity and vulnerable and all those things like creep back in and cloud my decision making. And I'm absolutely human. I think what happens differently for me now than in the past is I didn't have mentors or coaches to be like, wait, like, why are you thinking that? Is that really true? Like, you know, and to really help me like get out of those things way faster than just trying to go it alone and believing everything that you think. Because it's like everything that you think isn't necessarily true. And if that you don't have someone to question you yeah. about it, then you can make mistakes that will perpetuate the problem which I am yes. absolutely guilty of. And I've also run a really successful business. And it's not gone perfectly. When I had Amy Porterfield on the podcast back in uh, episode 185, one of the takeaways I had from my chat with her was that exact quote. She said, you can't believe everything you think. And I think in the case of downtimes in business, that is probably the number one thing to remember is all of these thoughts, don't take them all to heart. Like maybe... There's some that are actually good. Like maybe it is time to update your website, update your portfolio, tweak your services if needed, or or freshen some things up. But it doesn't mean that you need to change your entire business model. Particularly, I'm, I love that you said like you don't want to over course correct because that can be detrimental. Like you could accidentally take yourself into a whole other business model and then not serve your current clients really well. Very timely. I just had a Q and A with all my students earlier today and. One of my students, Nicole, said she felt a little discouraged because she had, I don't know how many leads she had that were like this, but she said she had one particular lead that didn't go for her quote and said they only had a budget of $300. And so she was feeling really discouraged that she didn't get them. But I told her, like, Nicole, that is not your ideal client. And you shouldn't be letting leads in particular affect you at all. So there's a really big difference between leads and clients. Like the people who pay you and who have been clients, your client pool, those are the people you should listen to when it comes to any sort of feedback or input. But the people who are leads who are just not good fit, 
fine. Like peace out. It, it doesn't mean that they're a bad person, but they're just not a good fit for you. So I hope at least that point is encouraging to folks to remember that you cannot change your business for bad fit leads. And that's so easy to do in downtimes when you're a little dry because there's that one good client that you may screw over your opportunity for. You may take on 10 bad fit clients and that one really good fit client who's going to be a lifetime client, you don't have time for them or you change something on them. And that takes courage, I think, when you are in that space of like, I feel a little desperate. I feel a little like nervous. I feel like I have to make something happen now. And when you are making decisions from that place of, and I don't know that if your student did this, but I get this question all the time, like, should I try to come up with an offer that will work for them for $300? Or should I lower my price mm, or yeah. all of these things? And my question is, is my answer is always like, you get to decide to do whatever you want to do. I'm never going to tell you to say no to money if you want to make money. But the trade-off here is that exactly what you just said, make an informed decision about what you're saying yes to and what you could potentially be saying no to. And it does take courage and belief to say to not pursue something that is not a good fit just for money and hold out and go after and believe that you really can, like that that next perfect client is on the way. It's not comfortable. It's just yeah. not. But it takes courage. You got to be used to being in some uncertain times, I guess. That's really the the moral of the story. Like you just got to be used to getting through the lows, which is easier I think when you build confidence and you have experience and uh, where you just like again, I expect there to be some downtime so it doesn't freak me out when I get in those. Now, I still am very proactive during those times and try to be sharp and look at what's working and if I need to tweak anything, but to that point, like what we were just talking about, let's say in this case, my student makes a $300 offer. Well, when a $10,000 client comes through the door and they're like, well, is she doing like $300 websites? Because that's not what I want for my business. We need like a real website that's an investment that's going to make us a lot of money. That That's a prime example of how like pivoting to cater to bad leads could really hurt moving forward. Yeah. So gosh, such good stuff already with this, Shannon. I do think... So we've kind of bitched about it enough. Let's talk about some tactile things we can do in this season. Like, What can we do? What are some things that you've seen work? I'm happy to share some things that I recommend, but I'd love to hear from you. Like, What do you tell students when they're in a dry spell? Yeah. First, we, we our very first step is like... And this is our step when you're in a dry spell or when you're wanting to create clients or whatever. Like first, we just want you to like actually look at what proactive things that you have been doing. Like let's take an inventory of what the actual situation is because I can do this to myself. I can be like, I'm doing all the things and nothing's not working. Like let's say I want to like work on my fitness. I'm like, but I've been doing all the things for like three days and nothing's changed. <laughs> you know, so let's get a real picture of like what's been happening? Like, have we been connecting with people? Have we been explicit in letting people know what we do? And have we been asking for referrals? Like gather some actual data because I feel like there's a relief in thinking, 
clients have dried up and then looking at like, oh, but I actually haven't done much to create clients. So therefore, what I'm thinking might not be true. I can now just go be proactive and see what happens. And there can be some relief in in realizing like, oh, wait, I really actually haven't been doing much to create clients. So let's see what happens when I go, go do that. So take an objective look at what you have been doing. Don't use it to judge yourself or be like, oh my gosh, I should have been doing that. And that is just not a good use of your time, but just gather some data. And then once you have done that, just be like, okay, great. Like, let's make a list of all of our clients and reach out to them to let them know that we have spots open for them. And would they like to just hop on a call to talk about their business and what's possibly happening in the future and just connect with people, have some conversations, even if they're not consultations, just to touch base and see how you might be able to support them in the future. Ask them for referrals and then make a list of anybody who's not a client and reach out to them and, you know, just start doing those things. And that can take you so far to getting your next project than just like waiting for referrals and saying things have dried up. Yeah, the worst thing you can do is just like sit in your office alone, hoping that things will change. Because no matter what (laughs) it is in life, that's literally the worst strategy for anything. Yeah, you're totally right. It does. I think the trick is to be proactive, whatever that looks like. All those strategies you said right there, I totally echo. Those are things that I recommend. One thing that I learned being in a networking group is it didn't matter whether I was in a season of low clients or I was so busy that I could barely have time to go to the meeting, but I went. And what that did for me is because that was my only source of like outbound network or outbound marketing. I wasn't on social media aside from a Facebook page that I updated every once in a while. And I didn't do email marketing. Shame on me. So I say that to say what it taught me is no matter what my week looks like, either good or bad, busy or not busy, I am going to do this task, which is a sales task. And it didn't take that long. It was an hour and a half per week. So what I would say is for people who are flying really high right now and things are good, don't forget to feed your sales machine, whatever that is, whatever that looks like. And if you're in the downtimes, then that's the perfect time to amp this up. Now, you don't want to be desperate and salesy, but it is the time to connect. It is the time to have more phone calls. It is the time to go to maybe some networking groups or business meetups, go to a chamber of commerce meeting, post more on social media, do a tutorial, whatever it is. That's the time to be proactive. But what I would say is just remember, good or bad, have a weekly outlet for client acquisition. And the cool thing is for folks who don't go to a networking group, that's fine. But what I would say is like, maybe it is a blog post and one blog post a month on your website would be fine. But particularly if you're doing social media and email marketing, you could like once a week, you could work on a social media post. And then that could take you over for a couple of weeks as far as your outbound stuff. The next week, maybe you're doing an email to your your client list about like some trends and some new things and things you could help with. Maybe the week after that, you're working on a blog post. If it's a big blog post, you could work on that for a couple sessions once a week. And then before you know it, in a span of a few months, you've got like potentially 10 or 12 outbound marketing pieces. So I think when I think about this, one thing I've learned in this, and I didn't really think about it till now, is to not turn off your sales 
strategy. Faucet. You know what I mean? Like you can lessen it, but don't turn it off. Yeah. Cause you're going to, yeah. in like three months when you're really busy, like what happens? I've seen this all the time with designers who do the booking. Cause I don't, I never did the booking model. And I don't necessarily, I mean, it works. So that's fine. But I do what the common hurdle I see with that is people get booked out for three months. They disappear from social media, from email and anything. And then three months later, they're like, oh my gosh, I have no work. So that's the thing you got to avoid in those downtimes. Another strategy that we love with what we do with our students, and I talked about this on a podcast that we did recently, and we call, we're call we calling it like building your own table. This kind of came out of a conversation that we were having with some of our students where they're talking about like, okay, how do I like get in front of my ideal clients? How do I get a seat at the table? How do I get in that room to like where they're hanging out. And one of our students was like, why do you need to go sit at their table? Why don't you just build your own table? And we're like, Ooh. what? Ooh, good and one. so like, we talked about this in terms of like, okay, if you have a certain type of business or industry or niche that you serve, why not start a podcast or an interview series or a something where you're inviting those people to come talk to you about their business? about their industry, about their clients, you're facilitating this networking or this group or this interaction. Like one of our students, Rachel, she works with like high-end interior design companies that their clients are like Airbnbs or mm -hmm. like companies that have multiple Airbnbs or vacation rentals. And so she started like a networking group for people in the industry in her local area. So like real estate agents, the vacation rental management companies, all of these things. And she was like, Hey, I'm starting this networking and I'm going to talk to you guys about like the thing that I'm an expert in, which is web stuff. You're going to meet and talk to the realtor and the management company. And we're just all going to come together. And she's like her client, her marketing faucet or whatever is like turned on full blast. And so you can create these relationships in a really creative, fun way that adds a ton of value without having to like market or sell and yeah. just facilitate that and like build your own table of your ideal clients and pull them all together and allow them to have a valuable relationships with each other. And then you just get everybody benefits from that. And so that's a really fun strategy that like we're seeing people having a blast with and in a downturn, what better way to like continue moving forward than to just add value to people. For anyone who doesn't want to do a YouTube channel or yeah. forum or whatever, one thing you can do is this idea of an interview series, which could be as simple or as complex as you want to make it. But I had a client who was an insurance agent who did it when he started his business. And he talked with like, I think a dozen or so business owners, and it really helped him. And he just published them on Facebook. He would tag their business and share about it. And then that spread. And I saw that work for him tremendously. And that's the only one he's ever done. It like it was one of the things that helped catapult him in our community. So I actually did the same thing and I'll put I'll make sure we link this in the show notes for this episode but back in 2018 I just looked so it was 5 years ago I did an interview series before I started a podcast and I just interviewed 10 or 9 Divi specific web design business owners and 
I did this little interview series. And one thing I learned, because I learned from Ed that my client who did that, when I did this series, I had the same approach. I was like, I'm just going to connect with people and just ask them what it took to build their business. And that not only did I learn so much from that series and it's still working, it's they're still out there today that people can reference, but more importantly, like it gave me momentum. It gave me some authority and trust with people who watched that. And then the most important thing is I was automatically exposed to all of their networks, which was really big because some of them had big audiences. And then a lot of their audiences came into my audience and became students, all from that little nine-week scaling Divi business series. So I would definitely consider that. You know, you could keep it simple, but it's something as a, an, a strategy that is not just like, well, just post more on social media kind of thing. I would definitely consider that. So I, what would, would you say just get creative too with like what works for you and what, what you can build momentum on? Yeah, absolutely. And we may have talked about this before in many of our conversations, but I did the same thing when I was just starting out. I was like, I don't know how to market this business or how to get in touch with people who like, I wanted to serve women entrepreneurs and women solopreneurs who had online businesses. And also I was very introverted and not really wanting to put myself out there in a way it felt just kind of awkward. I did email series and email interviews. Mm. I'd reach out via email. I'd send them questions. They would respond. I turned it into a blog post. Like I never actually ah. like had a one-on-one conversation with several of these awesome women, but I developed such long-term relationships with them from the series that resulted in clients and referrals. And I did the same thing. I was like, I want to talk to women who have online businesses who built their own website with WordPress and, you know, talk to you about your business and 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 here's a, another trick, I guess, that worked really well as I said, who else do you follow? Who are some other businesses or resources that you use in your business? And then I would post on social media and tag those companies to be like, hey, Rebecca Tracy shouted out so-and-so. And I would tag them so that they could see that they were mm. mentioned in this article and that would like lead me and it would give me more ideas of people to reach out to as well to be like oh hey rebecca mentioned you i'm gonna reach out to you because she said you were a great resource for this we just did this interview would you like to do one too everybody says yes they understand like the value of connection yeah yeah so yeah just get creative yeah, no one's going to be like, oh, I really don't feel like promoting my business typically. Like, they're, uh, yeah, maybe not everyone might do an interview, particularly if it's a video interview, but most people will. If you tell somebody, hey, can you tell me about your business so we can help grow it? They're like, oh, F yeah, let's go. Mm-hmm. So I love that idea. It's like a different interview style. I didn't think about that, but yeah, you could 100% do a written style interview. And it still is the same concept of build your own table. Because in the case of these Divi business owners, I wasn't like, hey, can I come on your podcast or can I join your show or can I do a training in your group? It was, hey, I'm doing an interview series and I'm featuring people who built their web design business. Would you like to come on and just share about some lessons you've learned? And I'll be happy to share it with my growing audience and everything. And they got to connect with other guests. It was awesome. So I love that approach, Shannon. I, I hope some people take this to heart because this is something that is yeah, it can be time intensive, but it will pay dividends for potentially years down the road. 
Yeah. And if you're an introvert like me, or you worry about like being pushy and salesy and all of those things in the early days of your business before you kind of clean that stuff up and realize like, oh, I'm helping people. That strategy is like, it's a give before you make an ask. Like it always feels like easier to reach out with a give than to reach out with an ask more, at least in the beginning. And so it's one of my favorite strategies that is like my go-to tried and true doesn't matter like platform agnostic like it just works i love that you just mentioned the the give versus ask in my world i would say help versus sell I love it <laughs> When you get to a point where yeah you're dry on business i think the first inclination typically is to just like publish more and sell and do a promo do an offer and i think there may be a time for that, maybe, but I would encourage people to figure out like, in what way can you serve your current audience? So first of all, I always recommend don't forget your current clients because they may be in need of a redesign or some more work, or they may have referrals. You just need to ask them because they forget about you because they're busy. So that's typically my first step in my recommendations on these dry spells, which is to just don't forget your current client base. They might pay you and they may have people who will pay you for stuff. But the next step is what can you do to like help and give some free value? Because inevitably that leads to sales. So maybe it is a webinar, maybe it is a workshop, or maybe it is just a a consult type of call if it's one-on-one. But I love that you said that because in the times where we are tempted to sell, that may just be the time to serve and to and to help and give some free value because it's the best sales tool. We've talked we talked about that before with pricing and stuff. Like it is the number one best way to sell is to just share what you know. And here, good news for everybody in web design, particularly those who are students of you, Shannon and me, like we're staying up to date on trends and things that are happening. So everything our students are learning, including what we're talking about on the podcast, you can literally take this content, make it your own and make a blog post out of it or share it with your customer base. Like Don't be afraid to do that. Don't plagiarize this, please. But make it your own and share it with your clients because you'll suddenly look like an expert and super helpful in those times. Yeah. Like when you are demonstrating that like, hey, I'm connected with this community of incredible web designers run by Josh Hall and we stay on the cutting edge of things. And here's something that Josh was sharing with us about navigating slow times. And I thought you guys would want to you know, some of these concepts might be helpful to you. Like it demonstrates that you are like such a professional that you are like, yeah, not just some random person flying solo that you invest in your business, that you're on the cutting edge, that you're connected, that you're sharing strategies. I mean, just even saying that you're a part of a program like that is like sets you apart from it's like one of those intangible signals that like, oh, this person's legit. Like, yeah, they're like investing in their business. So it's like a win-win-win all the way around yeah. when you can do that. They're taking their craft seriously too, which is in turn going to help me. Like, yeah, I 100%. If I was a client with a web design, like a webmaster, I would want them to stay on the up and up and do training and to share what they're learning because I don't have time to figure out what the heck's going on with accessibility and privacy and all that stuff. So yeah, by all means, that's you. And honestly, I love that we're diving into this area of this topic now, because the true trick is to just not be a commodity. Like you can't just be a web designer who builds somewhat pretty sites and that's it. It's that may have 
been fine back in 2010, but now you do need to have some sort of value add other than just a pretty website. Some people actually need to go back to that. I found some people are like really good at some other stuff. I'm like, oh my God, your design is terrible. We need to like backtrack and at least get the design aspects in, in line. But that is a biggie because I think the enemy, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, the enemy of like standing out from everybody else is you just have to be the designer who is not a commodity and is not doing what everyone else is doing. So if you can do anything like that to separate yourself from everybody else and give clients ideas, pump them up, make them aware that you are staying on the up and up and you're taking this seriously, that separates you immediately. And uh, I think in those downtimes, what a perfect time to share this stuff. And you could share it in a number of different ways. You don't have to do a consult call. It could be an email. It could be social media, it, whatever it looks like for you. Yeah. Share what you're learning, I guess, is the key to not be a commodity. I also feel like it's not that you, you probably have like so much that you know and do and can talk about that already makes you not a commodity, that you're just not saying That's it that true. way, that you're still kind of stuck on, oh, the thing I sell is a five-page website with XYZ. And if you can just stop thinking of yourself that way, and you can really start thinking about yourself and what you do and what like the real value of what you do for your clients in a completely different way, you don't have to change your whole business to reposition yourself. You just have to yeah, change the point. way you think about what you do. And of course, you want to have the skills to back that up or the resources to back that up. And if it's not your skill, you, you're connected to people that have that skill. But I wonder what you think about this and what you see with your students. Like they already have it. They just don't see it. Yes. And I'm so glad you said that, Shannon, because now I'm kind of kicking myself for saying what I just said, because my intention was not to say that you're not a valuable web designer where you are and you're just a commodity if you're not sharing some other insight and doing that stuff. I think definitely staying up and up are things that you can add to how you help your clients and make sure they know that. But you're right. Every designer and website designer listening to this right now is probably a hundred times more valuable than you think you are. And you know way more than you think you know. Sometimes it just takes talking about it or teaching on it or sharing about it. And and going back to what I said earlier, again, this is kind of where I'm like, I don't know if I should have said that because a pretty site is still extremely valuable if it converts. So let's say you are that web designer that doesn't know that much about other stuff, but by golly, you can make a nice looking website. Well, maybe that website is nice because it's converting really well. So you don't need to do anything new. You can just look at what you know works for websites with maybe it's good headings, maybe it's strong call to actions, maybe it's design principles that work really well. Maybe it's homepages structures that you've seen that have like lower bounce rates and work for clients. You're probably doing things that you could 100% look at and make that a valuable piece of like educational content for clients. And you could do case studies. Like maybe you have 10 clients and two of them, their website is killing it for them. So guess what? There's two case studies. You could you could talk to them, you could interview current clients and see what's working and talk about the project, the before and afters. If you do that, put it on your portfolio, make a blog post out of it, share it, suddenly you've got 
tested results and tried and true practices that you can share all based off what you've off of what you already done. So yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that because I by no means meant to make anyone feel like, oh, I'm a nice designer, but that's not enough because you probably are 100% more valuable than you think you are. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And the fact that like just designing a pretty website is not enough. I a thousand percent agree with you. And I think that like designers, I think just what you said, like we think sometimes that that's all we do. Is it just the way of the way we phrase it? Is that the yes, problem? Yes, exactly. Like maybe it's just like, how we oh, I make pretty websites yeah. or I do this technical thing. And we just think of it as like, this is the service I provide. And I agree with you that it's not enough, but I also, it's not enough to talk about it that way, I guess is what I'm saying. Because I think mm. I'm totally in alignment with you there. And what I want to invite people to do is like, there sometimes things come so easy to you, like designing a pretty website that you don't really understand. Like you're not thinking past, just like what you said, what that creates for the client. So you can shift into all of the things that you just said about like a case study and evaluating it. If you talk about it, like it's just a pretty website, you're positioning it as a commodity. And you're in control of repositioning Mm. it as something really, really valuable. So I think we're in alignment on that conversation. I'm so glad you mentioned that because that is the struggle. And and I think it's it's very natural when you know something well to undervalue it because you just get it. You understand it. You can probably do things pretty quick, but your client doesn't understand it. They can't do it pretty quick. And they may have to go through years of training to do what you do very quickly in 15 minutes. So yeah, don't devalue what you know and what you can do really well. And I think in your probably situation now as an entrepreneur, Shannon, I know I'm learning this. It's it's that same mentality. And for anyone who's more established, you got to get to the... If you haven't already, you'll get to the point where your information and your expertise and your value is way more important than your time. Like your time doesn't matter at some point. It's what you know and what you can help people with very quickly. So yeah, I feel like early on, it's it's easier to understand the value of something when it takes forever to learn it and do it. But then you, you quickly forget that as you get more experience, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to ask you too. So we've talked a lot about like the dry spells with clients and stuff, but I do think as far as this idea of navigating tough times, we do need to be prepared for like issues in our business, particularly when it comes to technical stuff. You recently had some fun with Stripe. I don't know how... I, I love that you're an open book always. I don't know how much you're, you can share, but do you want to talk about that? Because like we do, I think, have to remember there are going to be times in business where shit happens. Yeah. And from a technical standpoint... <laughs> Not that you can prepare for a hack or something like that, but you do have to just know like there's going to be some of these things. Would you care to expand on that? Like what happened with you guys? Oh my gosh. So yeah, I'll try to make this as succinct as possible. I might need a beer. We've done this in the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) So a couple weeks ago, I got an email from Stripe saying that they were closing my account due to fraudulent activity. And I was like, wait a minute. What are you talking about? So I log into the account and I'm looking at my account and I'm seeing nothing. I'm seeing all the payments that are successful are legit. All of the payments that have failed are like my customers, you know, having 
like a failed payment, like on their payment plan or something. Like everything looks on the up and up. So I'm like clicking around and I'm like, what is this? And I click in the Stripe dashboard of like when you log in from your desktop, you cannot see this in your in your app. There's a a menu item called connect. So I click on connect and I see six connected accounts connected to my Stripe account. Four of them seem to have no activity on them. Two of them are the name Albert Dawkins of Netflix.com. And both of them have $35,000 worth of successful fraudulent credit card charges on them. And so I click into those accounts and I see Albert Dawkins, Netflix.com. And I'm like, how did these even get here? How did this happen? You can see like all of the login locations to your Stripe account. It's all my house. Like, (laughs) you know, there's no evidence of anyone else logging into my account. So I reach out to Stripe and I'm like, you're closing my account, but this person, like my account has been unauth, like fraudulently access, like unauth. How am I trying to say this? Like so worked up about it because it's like such a situation. <laughs> Someone has oh, fraudulently man. accessed my Stripe account. And I send this to customer service and they're basically like, sorry, we can't help you. There's been fraudulent activity on your account. We're closing your account. And they shut my account down. And I was like, Wow, they actually shut it down. Not only did they shut it down, they started clawing. Okay, so let's talk about where this money went. These $70,000 in fraudulent transactions were paid out to a prepaid debit card via Stripe's instant payment feature. So not only did these connected accounts get connected to my Stripe account, I got no notification that these accounts were created. I never got any notification, like was never asked to approve them. No notification mm. of successful payments, failed payments, that payout options were added, zero email notifications of any of this. Now, I use Stripe for my business. I get emails about every successful payment on my account yeah. every day. Like that's how like I see them come through. Like I love seeing them come you through. Two it's factor like, on too. I have two factor authentication. So finally, after many, many days and hours and banging on doors, I finally get a response from Stripe and they say, oh yeah, we rolled your API key. This can happen if your API key was exposed and you are also liable to pay back all of this money to these people that was never paid to you in the first place and that you were stolen. That was stolen from these people that we never paid to you, but we're going to start clawing it back out of your bank account, even though we never gave it to you in the first place, that we paid it out to all these prepaid debit cards. These weren't students of yours. These were like random... It was card testing, right? So a fraudulent account set up. Somehow my API key was exposed. Josh, I've integrated Stripe one time (laughs) eight years ago (laughs) with my company. I'm like... How did my API key oh. get exposed? I don't just like wow. have it saved like somewhere. It's a oh like a oh, so it makes me so mad. You're really <laughs> making me like want to go through all Dude, my Stripe settings. This please, is probably a good reminder for everybody to make sure every security this, measure. 
Yes, go check to see that there are no connected accounts because you will get no notification of this happening. Stripe even confirmed to me that they don't need my login to that a bad actor does not need my Stripe login to to do all of any of this. Was that money going into your bank account? Nope. Nope. It went. I guess I'm confused at like what that money. It's like a sub account. Yeah. So it's like a, a connected account. I did not know these existed until this happened. Because yeah, it'd be one thing if you like look in your bank and you're like, "Whoa, I've got some students." No, they who are never. Serious. The money never yeah. came to me in the first place. Wow. Okay. The money came into this a connected account. And it was paid out to a prepaid debit card, Josh. That this Albert Dawkins character, who's not real, by the way, because I filed a police report sure. and they like tracked him down. Oh, nice. Fake name, fake number, fake email I'm address. Sure. Yeah, so Stripe paid out all of this money to a prepaid debit card, and they're saying it doesn't matter, but because you use our platform, you are liable for any fraud, and we are taking this money from you. So I disagree with that. I don't think that's how that should work. So I am currently working with my bank to prevent them from debiting me. I'm working with an attorney, filing a police report. This is the situation though. I'm trying to like figure out like who can help me. This is where like the challenging part of business happens because there's not like a blog post you can read to be like, okay, well, what do you do when this happens? And so I'm kind of gathering all these resources and I'm I'm at the time of this recording, I'm kind of in the middle of Figuring yeah, all like of what this a timely out. topic for it. We were supposed to talk <laughs> last week just for, for reference, but Shannon emailed me and said, like, I'm I going through this. Yeah, you're like, if I you just think I'm I, angsty I'm not now. I was like 10 times more angsty. Oh, I'm sure. Last week. I was like, well, it literally felt like I was going to lose my whole business last week. Oh my gosh. And this is wild. So I wonder uh, somebody who's recently on the podcast who's a member of Web Designer Pro, and she is the only person I know who is a web designer slash attorney. So I wonder, I might get you connected with her if you're interested, because I wonder if she would have some insight on this from like the legal standpoint of like what you're liable for. So after this, I'll connect you guys. Yeah. And this is why I'm like, I'm just telling everybody because I literally don't know what I don't know in terms of like who could help me. My local bank has been amazing connecting me with resources of obviously like not using Stripe. I got them to reinstate my account. I was like, this, okay. it was not me. This fraud wasn't me. I got them yeah, to reinstate my account. But yeah, well, see, because they want me to pay back this money, any payments that they're taking, they're just holding in reserve and not remitting to me. So I had to mm. stop them from like taking payments for our payment plans. And I have now set up a merchant account with my bank, which apparently is way different than using a company like Stripe. I had to go through, oh, a, cre- yeah. I had to go through yeah. a credit check to get an account yeah. with them. There's so much more security. Yeah, All of these I remember things. that when I was in when I was in a band, we used a merchant account with Chase, and yeah, it was like a whole yeah. completely different process. Yeah, well, it's not the easiest thing to like work with with how I run my business, but I'm so glad that I know how to do this because I was able to like get everything swapped out and be able to 
process payments again pretty quickly through this merchant mm. account. And we're just getting our students like moved over to this. Okay. Talk gotcha. about the value of your skill as a web designer to a business, you know, when right. something like this happens. But it is just shocking to me that this could even happen. And they are like, I don't care if I left my API key sitting out for someone to see, which I didn't, but <laughs> like there are like the fact that it could happen with no notification to me right, as right. the main account holder is appalling. So I wonder, I wonder if there's a way to like prohibit connections within Stripe or something. That, Cause now there's I'm looking at that. There's not a way to turn it off that I can find. If mm. you find it, let me know. Well, I just so that's look what's and going I'm, on. And wow, gosh, Shannon. I mean, honestly, in all honesty, this is a good reminder, particularly for like the payment gateway that you have. Like, make sure, and I'm not saying you didn't do this, but make sure every possible door is closed. And yeah, but just double like, two factor identification, even though it's a pain, all the things that we can do. I have two factor. I have all of these things. I have, you know, I have connected Stripe to. Um, like two features or whatever in the mm -hmm. whole eight years that I've used them, literally never had an issue. No idea yeah. how my API key was exposed. It's not like I'm constantly connecting any things password to Stripe. Do you have any I don't even have my API key in, a pa in my password manager. Yeah, because so, I know like LastPass was compromised, which is lovely. That's what I use. Yeah. I know I'm about to pull everything so, out from there. I know it's like, I, here's, let's talk about challenges in your business. <laughs> and like, you can go down these rabbit holes of like, how did this happen? Why did this happen to me? And you spend so much mental energy on it that you can like exhaust yourself. Yeah. And what well, I'm sure would, you question yourself. I'm sure you question, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I'm sure, you know, as, as a web design coach, it's like, how could this happen to me? I'm supposed to be a leader in the tech person. Like when my site got hacked, while I was on my honeymoon back in 2015. And I remember feeling so embarrassed because I didn't understand security very well at that time. And I was like, I'm here selling websites and my site is hacked. Like, You know oh. what is interesting? That is not a feeling that I felt at all because I oh, feel really? like I absolutely like, have done everything. Mm, that's probably a difference. I felt like I didn't do enough. <laughs> and I do feel like... Stripe holds some responsibility here in terms yeah, of their yeah. system allowing with one API key keys to the whole entire kingdom with no notifications. Like that's not how right. that should work. Like when I go to connect the things that I use with Stripe, I have to actually like log in and do like a, oh, like a, you know, it's not just plop your API key in and like magically things are talking like there's an authentication that has to happen. Yeah. And so I don't know. That's interesting. So I just looked at the connect feature. I know we're getting into the weeds on this, but hopefully yeah. this is helpful for everyone using Stripe, which most everybody is. Please go on look at my that connect and see. Hopefully you see nothing in there. I have to enable it. It says get started with connect. Yeah. So well, I don't mine know. Mine was already maybe enabled. I don't interesting. know how someone was able to enable that. I go in and there's yeah. just six accounts sitting there. Two for wow. Netflix.com. Charges from, you can tell it's card testing because they start at like 17 cents all the way up to $5,000. Wow. 
Interesting. Well, well, we don't have to go too far down this for the podcast sake, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I share. I mean, is this like, is this one of the worst things you've been through as a yes, business owner? A thousand percent. And I will share like, as I'm navigating this, I'm thinking about how can I help other people like a prevent it, be navigated if it happens to them, because what is so challenging is even getting someone at Stripe to help me to listen to me to see that like I am also a victim in this scenario, not just the people who had money stolen from them. And to get even to the right person there to guide me to say, how can I dispute this? Then they're like, well, you can't. And I'm like, how is that possible? And to just say, like, I understand that, like, a lot of what we do as web designers and online businesses and everything, like, everybody integrates with Stripe. And just so that you're aware, like, this can't happen, even if you're like, I really did do everything to protect myself and it still happened, that... You have to navigate challenges in in business sometimes. And I literally, Josh, I was like, why do I put myself through all of this stress for this business? Like I had the moment (laughs) in that period where Mm. I was like, why do I even do this? Like I was like, a day job would be easier than this. Mm. And then I was like, snap out of it. What are you thinking? Like I had a coach tell me or a a friend and a coach, Alicia St. Germain, she's like, leaders go first. And, you know, if I have to like go first through like one of the most challenging times in my business and figure out how to navigate something like this for the first time so that people can follow behind and like navigate like the fear of I'm going to lose everything. This could be a devastating blow to my business. How am I going to pay my team if I have to like pay back this money that was never given to me? trying to like solve the problem of like, how am I going to run my business financially if Stripe drains my bank account to pay back the victims of this person who stole from them? And just all of that. And I was in a really low place last week. And I'm Mm. like, okay, well, you can either stay there or you can stop the bleeding and figure it out. Yeah. How long has this been going on, Shannon? So we're recording this on April 20th. April um, 10th. 10 days ago. When did this ago. start? April 10th. 10 days ago. Oh, wow. Not even. Okay. Okay. La- literally last week. Okay. Yeah. You know, can I add a silver lining as far Please. as the timing on this for Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Thank God this didn't happen during the summit and during your oh, big push when you... Oh my gosh, Josh. You, I, I know totally you just did that launch. You. Here's what... And... Let's just be very transparent. That launch didn't go as I expected. I did not come anywhere close to my goals. And I think it was supposed to happen that way. Does that make sense? Because Mm. what if I was... I don't know. I'm just like, I would not have the space to deal with this the way that I have to be able to... I guess... I needed this to be able to like create the resilience to navigate that, keep going and the space I've literally Mm. dedicated the past 10 days, not to anything in my business other than showing up for coaching calls, but going to the bank, calling, you know, all of these things. And like, 
that would be very challenging to do if I was like, hey, welcome new students. You've been here for three weeks. And by the way, like, I'm a hot mess express right now. Good point. (laughs) Yeah, that would be like one of the worst, right? Are like very amazing and like so awesome about it. But like, if it was, the number that I was hoping but to if get. it was on a level of Ooh. scale, that would be, you know, like if, yeah, if like in normal circumstance, if you would have had to devote most all your time to that new wave, then this would have been 10 times as hard, probably. Oh, imagine like, oh, hey, all brand new people. I need to convert your payment plan over to something new. You've literally just joined. Right. This is your first right. experience with us. And now we have to like go through all of this. Yeah, so I, wow. I totally agree with you. Silver linings. I have had a lot like these things bring up your worst fears and then you have to just face them if you're going to move forward. Mm. Yeah. That's where I'm at. Well, I didn't realize you were still in the thick of it, Shannon. I was hoping by this chat that (laughs) you would just be past it. So I think by the time this comes out, if it's resolved, I'll mention a little update just to to give everybody an update. But um, yeah, well, thank you so much for being transparent about that. I mean, this is a live look. This is like a live case study of... and, and And again, the thing that sucks about this is like, whereas when my site got hacked in 2015, I didn't have enough security measures in place. And I was also on... Bluehost hosting, you did have all the measures in place, but the reality is, I hate to break it to everybody, an online world, you can only do so much. Nothing is ever fully secure. Like it, it doesn't matter. Um, I have a, a colleague who's like kind of a website security expert, and he said, like, you can get 99%, but there's always going to be some sort of vulnerability somewhere for anything online. So with Stripe yeah. being so popular, Ooh, that's terrifying. It's also a good reminder to be good and support if clients are in a tough situation. Because like you said, you told me Stripe support was not helpful in the slightest. So I'm excited to see your Stripe support sucks blog posts after this <laughs> to see if that'll <laughs> see if we can make a dent in that. Yeah. And you know, I think one of the most important things in a situation like this is like, don't victim blame. That was one of the responses that I got from Stripe is like, you must have given a bad actor your API key. And I'm like, I'm not an idiot. Uh, I did not do that. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah, you, yeah. You're like somebody who you're probably of all Stripe customers. You're probably on the up and up with. <laughs> I'm a little more savvy than that. that. Like, you know, right. And yeah, so, yeah. You're on the savvy side. Right. As web designers, like we do have a lot of knowledge and we do see our clients making mistakes that we would advise against but i would say like if there's if there's one thing if someone comes with you and says that they have a major problem and they caused it i still wholeheartedly i'm like i did not cause this but if i did like could you have some compassion for that person it's not like they did it right. on purpose it's right. not like they're you know they're already going through something really challenging and you can be there and be compassionate and guess what? That's going to create more clients for you than being like, oh, this idiot, they shouldn't have pushed the button. Like that type of thing, which I'm sure my clients and your clients, like we don't have to say these things to them. They're good people. But I think that that's just like the other most infuriating thing of this is like you can see them putting like a hundred miles between 
like me and their liability for this situation in every sentence that they say. Yeah, that makes me wonder if this is a common thing. Like it's it sounds like this if this is a prevalent thing that is going on, then maybe they're trying to avoid lawsuits and stuff. So it's fascinating yeah, when you start this, to I'll read in- trust pilot reviews and better business bureau reviews, like how I'm like, uh, oh, huh. Fascinating. This does happen way more than people think that it does. And I just didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. I signed up with them eight years ago. I've never had an issue. Well, who and doesn't? I use Stripe. Are. I mean, like it's it's the primary payment gateway that I use, like yeah. Circle, which is what I use for yeah. Web Designer Pro. That's you use Stripe. Yep, that's all they offer. Probably, I'm yeah. guessing. As of right now, I think they're working on some. I still have a lot of. I have some subscriptions through PayPal, some previous ones, and then yeah, on my site you can do credit card or PayPal. But yeah, this is fascinating here, Shannon. I um. Yeah, I don't want to keep on dragging this on for you, <laughs> no, but I really, no. I really appreciate you sharing. Uh, yeah, we'll put a cap on this one as far yeah. as navigating tough times, we'll both in dry spells and like, yeah, please keep me posted in your um, what you're going through. Which again, technical problems like this do happen. And honestly, the thing about this is, it doesn't matter if you're in web design or not. If you had a dry cleaner shop, this could happen. Yeah, and you take credit card, you know, like it could happen to anyone. So, yeah, I feel like I need a beer after this. So, <laughs> you know, it's about time here where we are. So definitely, Shannon, we're, we're in due for an in-person meetup. So by golly, maybe the next one will be at somewhere where you can grab a beer to cheers yeah, to the end of your great. strike problems when it's done. <laughs> so let's plan on that. Well, for right now, for this round, Shannon, thank you so much for your time. And look, the cool thing about you is if I didn't know you were going through this, I wouldn't have known. Like you're not somebody who is... You're a seasoned pro, you can tell, because you were still able to have this conversation for talking, sharing advice, sharing your tips and stuff. And it was not clear that you're going through as much distress as you are. So I have to say, this is a good example of staying pro when you got some stuff going on. Yeah, thank you. And and I will share an update because I do just want everybody to know, like, if this happens to you, here's what to do. Yes, yes. Well, like I said, I'll get you in touch with Anne here to see what uh, basis on the legal front you, you know, you, you're entitled to and stuff. So this will be coming out Amazing. next month. So hopefully, hopefully within a month, uh, we'll, we'll have, have this update. resolved and we can have a positive update. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much, Shannon. Always appreciate you. Everyone in my audience does. And the next talk we'll have, I hope you have a crazy successful launch and no <laughs> stripe problems. How's that sound? Thank you so much. Put it out there. Put it out there in the universe. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Shannon, talk soon. Hey, so if you're ready to stop undercharging and overworking, if you want to take back control of your time, work only with the dreamiest of clients, and make more money as a web designer than you ever thought possible, get started now by going to webdesigneracademy.com and joining our waitlist. We'll send you exclusive teachings from the current Web Designer Academy so you can start applying our concepts now, and you'll be first to know when enrollment opens up again so that you can work with us to completely transform your web design business. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.